0: This is the best, most fun
1: I have ever, ever, ever had on a podcast. This is a hit.
0: I'm Jesse Cole, your host of Business Done Differently, where we get to meet successful people who look at business differently, and we get to know them in a different way.
1: You don't even get a seat at the table. Yeah. You have to get their attention first. And I have some new ventures coming out that are specifically about how do we get people's attention, capture that, and then hold it. And then, here's the clincher, do something good with it. (laughs) Not just get them to buy something new, but to do something good with that time.
0: Today, I am joined by Jared Ngaza. Jared's a brand architect and a philanthropist, the co author of Wisdom Meets Passion with Dan Miller, which is one of the best business books I've ever read and actually just life books. But he's also coached and helped numerous organizations and movements, lived in Costa Rica, East Africa, and he's now back outside of Nashville. And I think, Jared, you've got a mastermind group now, you're doing lots of coaching, and you're the one person that everyone keeps telling me I need to meet. Jared, I'm pumped to have you on the show today.
1: Wow, that's a great introduction, man. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Outstanding. Well, Jared, your story is such a fascinating one. I'd love to jump right into story of my life life. and just kind of share your story, what I'm missing from the intro and where you are now.
1: Okay. Well, I I started out in philanthropy and, and, and let's just be specific about why I use that word, I guess, or be clear about that. I, philanthropy, ultimately, I give you a, a big romantic definition, but it means the love of people, like the the kind of the continuing relationship of loving humans. and the, And it is a continual thing. It's not a band-aid scenario. So that's why I use that word. Mm-hmm. So I... I Back then I was an activist and humanitarian. Now I call it philanthropist. It sounds softer and nicer (laughs) and more peaceful (laughs) Um, So I I started out just as a you know as a teenager I always had a um, just a Desire to help the underdog to there was a justice kind of element always very pervasive in my personality and I, You know my heroes were Mandela and, and MLK and Bono and all these guys uh, and still are to this day and I originally started volunteering with the American Indian uh, movement uh, There's a Long story behind that and I now teach and I spent the last ten years or so teaching American Indian uh, principles and ways and culture to help bring people back into alignment today with nature and each other wow. and that 's been a consistent throughout my life i 've then you know I, I worked for uh, countless nonprofits and activism agencies and things like that as a volunteer and, and some as a, as an employee. And then I've done a lot of consulting for uh, in that world as well. And about when was it? Was in, uh, when Katrina hit, it was in 2005, I guess. Yeah. Um, I did disaster relief immediately after. I took a team of uh, ex Army Rangers, actually, and MMA guys down, and we did disaster relief for a couple of weeks. And it was right—I think it was four or five days after it hit. So it was pretty intense. Uh, suffice it to say, I had a I had quite an experience there emotionally and yeah. and psychologically and so on. So a lot of things I didn't expect. It wasn't my first time doing relief work by any stretch uh, or being in, you know, intense situations. <laughs> so but it, there was something different about it. And ultimately, at the time, I was also consulting for a few nonprofits, helping them to figure out how to make revenue uh, in other ways than just the traditional donor program. Mm hmm. Uh, you know looking for it was mer- mer- merging kind of into that uh, social entrepreneur world, but this was twenty years ago you know there was a whole lot of discussion about that when I started and then in two thousand and five then it was more murmurs about that, uh, but it was still kind of a growing kind of scenario wow so. Yeah, that that was kind of how I got started, and it was immediately after that that I said, you know what, I'm going, I'm going all in, full tilt boogie, as we say in my family, and I moved to Rwanda. I dropped everything, left my business partnership, gave everything away, and, and moved to Rwanda. And I was there for five years, and another five years in Kenya, two years in Costa Rica, and now here I am, and I'm a father of three biological and one adopted, and. um and a husband also. <laughs> <laughs> well,
0: I guess my question, Jared. I mean, it, it's obviously tons of travel. You know, this loving of huma, uh, humans and philanthropy. But you know, how did you start as a kid? I mean, it sounds like you just started going your own way. And if I were to have a segment, this would be called "Family Matters." You know, how did your family impact you, and or how did you kind of break away? I'm really fascinated by that.
1: Well, the th- and you know, you know some obviously about my family, but the. My family dynamic was very entrepreneurial. Anyway, my father's an entrepreneur and I mean, hardcore. (laughs) And I grew up in that. And he, well, my parents both. I'm very, very fortunate, very grateful that I have a family that said, be unique, go your own way, go, you know, down the path less traveled. And in my case, you know, wave your freak flag high when you need to. How did and, you? How did you do that? Oh my! It, <laughs> well, starting out from grade school, I guess I, I more often went to school as a, you know, I don't remember what grade I was in, but you know, ten years and below. Uh, as Michael Jackson or Mr. T or is someone else of that nature. It was usually those two, to be honest, but those were my big heroes at the time. But I would go to school dressed like that, you know, like answering questions to the teacher like there was nothing to look at. <laughs> it was just like, yeah, what's up? <laughs> uh, and and that, you know, escalated throughout my life because my parents fostered it and they said, hey, nothing wrong with that, man. Do what you Do what you want to do. I wasn't disrespectful. I wasn't rebellious from any, you know, for any uh, traditional kind of reasons, I, there wasn't anything malicious about it. I was just exploring my creativity and uniqueness. And, and they were very supportive of that.
0: And, you know, I heard you changed your name. Tell me how I mean, that's the definition of exploring creativity and going a different way. <laughs> how did how yeah. and when did that happen?
1: Fair enough. Uh, well, when I got married, uh, and, and I, let's just say that I have a, uh, a, a habit, if you will, uh, a lifestyle of constantly saying, okay, if this is, if I'm supposed to do this thing, like, yeah, have my wife take my name, (laughs) you know, if we're supposed to do this little dance here, why, why do people do that? Like, where did that come from? What was the history behind that? And so, so I studied that. We don't have to go into it. Suffice it to say, I came out and said, all right, if she's taking a new last name, so am I in solidarity. (laughs) Um, so, uh, we, explored that. I talked to my father about it. Obviously, I didn't want to disrespect the family name. And he was like, no, do something cool like Bono. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He had no problems with it and probably tells the story more than I at this point. So I I said, cool, we're going to go, we're going to explore it. And we had family support and everything. And my wife, Ilea, thought it was cool. And and I said, look, if we're going to do this, let's Give ourselves a name that is aspirational, something that we can live up to, something that that drives us forward. You know, I have quite a few tattoos, and all of them are elements like that. They're things that say, hey, Jared, remember, this is the way you want to live. This is the person that you want to be. This is you being love in the world. And it's all these reminders. And our name is like that as well. Um, Short version of that is that my friend is a – his mother is a Swahili – um, uh, local in, in, uh, in the coast of Kenya. She's of the Swahili culture, not just the language. Mm-hmm. And she interviewed us and gave us a name. And our name, Angaza, means to bring light. It means to illuminate in the darkness or to bring light. And I said with our family, my wife and I just said, hey, that's who we want to be. We're going to be the Angazas. We're going to bring light into every space we come into. And we talk to our kids a lot about that. So it's really become... Part of our culture in our home.
0: Wow. So, I mean, that's the epitome of literally building your own brand. You actually changed it, <laughs> developed your own name <laughs> to something yeah. that has a lot of meaning to you. And, you know, before we jump into to brand, I, I just traveling around the world and seeing, you know, humans and going, you know, and you talk about human connections so much and personalities, seeing this all over the world, what influenced you the most?
1: Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one, um, man. I, I had I've had a lot of experience, uh, experiences rather, uh, and many that profoundly rocked my perspective. Um, I don't know, man. In, in terms of major ones, I guess there were some. You know, there were some business ventures, or I shouldn't even say business necessarily. Uh, social enterprise and nonprofit, you know, kind of ventures that we did over there so many of them uh, struggled for certain reasons that at the time were obviously very perplexing, and now I realize, you know, in hindsight looking back, and, and to just kind of encapsulate that a bit, because it just came to me what kind of maybe the big lesson is, um, I realized after 10 years of activism in East Africa, now mind you, I'm in Kenya, Rwanda, Congo, Uganda for the most part, yeah. um, I was working in anti-slavery, sex trade uh, activities and, and trying to get – trying to obviously to uh, uh, affect the perspective socially that contributes to those kind of things. So we're really going to the core. Mm-hmm. And after all these years of that and, and you know, I had about 10 years of that in the States before working in similar work with domestic violence victims and so on, I was eaten up. I had 20 years of hardcore activism, being in the belly of the beast, seeing some of the nastiest stuff. I, you know, you can imagine. Granted, lots of beauty intermingled in there. I'm telling one side of the story now, but yeah. Um, but ultimately, I asked my wife one day, and I said, "Hey, if you didn't know me and you were struggling, and you took a look at my life, would I be the type of guy that you wanted to help you? <laughs> would I? I mean, do I? Am I showing strength and wholeness and?" And clear vision and you know and vitality or all the opposites. I was beaten up, I was angry, I was sad, I was on the verge of depression, I, I felt like you know the world was coming down and everything. Bottom line is, man, I realized that if I don't take care of my own mind and heart and, and spiritual life and everything else first, I don't have that much to give. And I know that sounds kind of cliche, but no. I lived it, man, and it really rocked me. And that's why we ended up in Costa Rica for two years, to heal and kind of get our minds right, did a lot of yoga and meditation and beach walking and running. And um, we we did all the healing. The last few years have been really, really healing for us because we needed it. Wow. So it's, it's changed how we do our activism philanthropy now quite a bit uh, in, in terms of the focus and what we focus on.
0: Yeah. So it's uh, in the environment, you know, you talk about the people you're around and the surroundings, the environment had such a, a tough impact that it changed. And then how did that... Develop your brand, and where you are now.
1: Well, it ultimately we went from frontline activists, you know, with you know bullets whizzing—at <laughs> least for for me, anyway. Bullets whizzing through my head or by my head. And
0: wait, no, I want to slow down comes- there. So, so you explain there are bullets going past your head. What what happened?
1: Uh, well, I mean, it just not like on an everyday kind of basis, but we were in areas where it was intense. There were bombs going off. There were bullets flying through the neighborhood. There were friends of mine that were uh, – that didn't make it. Um, and that – you know, I, I was there in Nairobi during the Westgate uh, mall attack, the big terrorist attack there. And I had just built a coffee shop in the middle of the mall that all of that terrorist attack happened in. Wow. Um, and, you know, and I lost friends and uh, – Anyway, so there's, there's this, all this stuff that happened along the way that, that really impacted our mindset. Like, are we doing this right? (laughs) Like, is this, I mean, which is a weird question to ask, but it's like, we had to step back and say, look, what are we really contributing to here on every level? Even, you know, kind of like the energy I bring into a room when I was like the rage guy, that wasn't very nice. And now I'm trying to be the opposite. So We it changed our brand from, hey, let's go fight the fight on the front lines to hey, if you're fighting a war, you're still fighting. (laughs) Yeah. And 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 I was like, whoa, I got to I got to check myself. Uh, So we we've really concentrated much more on the mind, on on, self-care, on just personal alignment and understanding that if we could if we were all doing that most of the maladies of the world would start to dissipate on their own without us having to fight them, which usually doesn't help anyway. So it's changed our brand uh, as a family and as activists and together and even individually dramatically. And, And that's why our focus now is on sort of healing the mind. We recognize that's the source. The other things uh, tend to be affected, obviously, then by your mind. So we're focusing on that. That's
0: outstanding. And so I think this is a good segue into brand new and talking because I mean, obviously your brand has evolved and it's developed. And, you know, if you're working with someone, this is what you do as a brand architect. You know, how do you start? How do you build a great brand?
1: Good question. Well, I my move from well, I shouldn't say my addition of philanthropy or of branding into my philanthropic life. I didn't move from one. I still do both. But um, it really. I was studying human behavior to be a good philanthropist. You got to understand how people's minds work. Why do people do this stuff? What What motivates them? What are their biggest fears? What is it that. They're thinking about when they wake up at night, you know, that's keeping them up at night. Mm -hmm. What are those things? I have to understand those things. I have to understand what are the the mental, uh, emotional kind of cognitive roadblocks that come into people's minds and stop them from changing their behavior. So you can see real quick. Then we get into a discussion. We have a platform if you have that understanding of how you might be a more effective philanthropist, how you might be more effective at, you know, self-actualization or self-development or whatever. And – how you might create a better brand. Because when I'm creating a brand for a client, and this really started with my work with the State Department, USAID stuff, because they were having me build some of these big social enterprises for them, some of their big brands all over the world. Now, I've I've worked on or built. Mm -hmm. And so when I started that out, I was like, okay, I'm doing business technically over here in the USAID world, but it's all the philanthropic knowledge that brought me here, the, the, the knowledge of human behavior. So I started putting all that together. That was really kind of how I transitioned into brand work uh, it was 12 years ago or so. And I uh, man, I, I just I said, look, if I'm trying to get somebody to buy a candy bar, <laughs> I need to motivate them. I need to understand their mind. If I'm and I don't usually do that, by the way. I'm pretty selective <laughs> with my clients these days. But I am trying to work with people that are you know, contributing to a more harmonious world, if you will. But I am working with people in a way that says, look, if, if you want them to do this, if you want them to come to you as a coach – if you want them to come to you uh, and buy this product or whatever other service, you have to understand what they're motivated by. You have to understand their human behavior, the way their mind works. So I just I, it's the same practice on both sides of the fence there, whether it be in philanthropy straight up or in branding. We have to understand the people we're talking to. We have to be clear about our vision. We have to articulate that very clearly. We have to be concise. All these messaging points and, and, and strategies are just the same in either either can philanthropic or branding.
0: See this is this is brilliant because I think most people when they think about branding they're thinking about their product. They're thinking yeah. about what they have to sell and it sounds like you start with what emotions do you want your customers to feel?
1: Well, that's probably a, yeah, a good segue into what is a brand, I guess, um, because I, I realize everyone has their own perspective of that. I mean, when I was in Kenya and somebody's, uh, you know, if you ask if somebody does branding and they say yes, you, you can understand that what that means is that they will put your logo on a cup <laughs> um, or a pen uh, and that's branding. So, you know, and then you come, I'll just segue over to my side. What I see, the way that I see branding is that a brand and it's not the same as it was 50 years ago. It's not. But today, what a brand is, it is this experience. It's a crafted experience, hopefully. And it is a language that you speak. It's a way that you communicate. It's a relationship. It's hopefully a relationship that leads to a, an audience that is going to be your, you know, that are going to be your brand ambassadors. They're going to go out and tell your story and tell how great you are. And as you know, that's the best advertisement you could ever have. Um, And if we really want that, I had this discussion with my wife last night, actually, it was about another client situation. And I said, look, you don't have to have a brand to have a successful business. You can have, you can be a millionaire and off your business and, and not have any kind of quote unquote brand experience. It's just, you know, widgets or utilitarian kind of experience or whatever. And still make money. But if you want to create an Apple type of experience, you know, uh, Macintosh, if you want to uh, create a Nike experience, if you want to create a Brendan Burchard experience Mm -hmm. or, uh, you know, any of these Michael Hyatt or any of these other guys, like – those guys, imagine those guys without the brand around them, without the concise messaging, without the, you know, even the aesthetics for sure. But that for me is the last thing, by the way. Uh, But the, that's the icing, but the, the, the messaging and the strategy and the way that they, they each have a message, you you know, Donald Miller with his story brand, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he has a very, very specific message that he's uh, just encapsulated so well, in this very in these very concise statements and this messaging that he has so that to me is a real brand if you want to create that experience if you want to create that kind of ripple effect around the world if you're a coach and you want to affect more people like i would say brandon burchard i just watched my videos a minute ago by the way um if he if if he i'm I'm not sure
0: who's who's brandon I'm, i'm i'm i don't know who brandon burchard is who's who's he
1: okay uh no worries um He is a, uh, I don't know, he's a, (laughs) he's a motivational speaker and he is a, you know, an author and he, he has, he uses the digital and like affiliate marketing space a lot, uh, and, and, and sells information and so on. But he's just a, you know, he's like another Tony Robbins and you could just as easily replace him with Tony Robbins in this discussion, uh, who I grew up listening to. Mm -hmm. So, these guys, they have a brand experience that's very well-known. It's very well-crafted. And you can see that when you go to their websites, when you go to their events, and so on and so on. Now, if you extract all that out of it and you don't have that same brand experience, my feeling is they're – even if you want to just talk about coaches, there's millions of guys out there. And there's probably a couple hundred of them out there at least that have the mind and intellect and, and, and could, be, could have potential influence of a Tony Robbins but they don't have the brand experience behind it. So so and uh, go on. And they don't get seen. Who do we talk about? We're talking about these guys because of their brand. We're not talking about the other ones because we don't even know them.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we're talking about the, the experience. I think what, what a great quote I read for you and for quotable. That's what she said. Or he said, how people do anything is how they do everything. And you just went through that. Mm. You literally went through the language, the experience, the relationship, you went through all the pieces. But if you're starting today, I guess, breaking it down, you know, how how do you know what you want to have for that experience? How do you know what you want that to look like?
1: Yeah, well, obviously, this is the kind of the nature of some of the coaching that I do. But this, uh, or this is the nature of the coaching that I do. (laughs) This, This is the let, let me back up and say where where would I where do I start <laughs> when I'm working with a client? Uh, I, they're they're coming and they're saying, "Look, I need a brand or or my brand's not what it should be, and I want to refresh or a rebrand, you know, that, to turn things around." Um, there's sort of three levels there, you know, brand birth, rebrand, and refresh. And when they are, w- the first thing I'm going to say is, "Look, why? It, it, you know, it, it's it's. Uh, do you know Simon Sinek? Hundred uh, percent. Start yes. start with why. Okay, yeah. so." I loved it when that book, came, or I, I use that book all the time as a, as a reference and as a tool for clients. Cause I'm like, well, he said it very well. Just read this. <laughs> I'm so glad I have that tool now. I spent a lot of years doing this before that came along. Um, but start with why, what is your why? Mm-hmm. So that's a great, you know, fun question, but then you have to figure out how do I figure out what my why is? <laughs> uh, that's, that's where I typically do the coaching part, but that is a question that There's a kind of a form or I have a formula for unpacking that and saying it starts with, you know, if you're sitting here 10 years from now, let's say you have a coffee shop and that's your brand Mm -hmm. just to make it easy. And you're sitting in that coffee shop 10 years down the road and you're talking to friends or whatever or you're talking to, you know, to uh, some MSNBC news or something because they're interviewing you because you're such a big success. What are you telling them? Like what's happened there? What's the brand culture like? And when I say culture, I mean like the family that runs it, you know, the staff that runs it. What's it like there? What do people experience? Are they happy? Uh, Obviously that has a lot to do with the brand experience on the other side. If if someone's having a hard time with sales, most times I'll go in and say, what's your team? What's going on with your team? Let's start there. So it's all these root issues of why are you doing this? What do you want your impact to be? And again, you're a coffee shop. You're like, well, I'm not, you know, saving the manatees here or anything, but <laughs> I'm like, well, what do you want your impact to be? Happy people. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. a great impact to have. Let's do that. So we start with what is it that you want to, how do you want to influence people's lives? We're all influencing people's lives. Even if we're just the guy that never says anything sitting on the couch that has an influence on the rest of the people. Mm-hmm. So that we look at that and then say, okay. Now, what are the people, who are the people that most stand to benefit from you providing this service and are most likely to pay for it? Mm -hmm. That's your target audience. And so we then start to describe that with what I talked about before, you know, what are their fears and motivations and, and behaviors? Where are they already? Like, instead of saying, Hey, come over here, it's better to go over to wherever they are and start a conversation. Uh, you know, and that's a analogous kind of (laughs) scenario, but there's a, there's a, uh, you can understand how that would play off, play out in in regular business and saying, "Okay well, if these people are constantly at this place let 's go there and market to them mm-hmm. so it 's just kind of understanding the, that you 're not marketing to you know these little entities out there, you're marketing to humans, it's it's people that have thoughts and feelings and expectations and baggage and all kinds of other things that we have to incorporate into the mix. Ah, That's brilliant.
0: And what I love, Jared, is that you actually reverse engineered the whole thing and you said 10 years down the road, I mean, it's proven that 96% of businesses fail within 10 years. So you're making them think past where most businesses don't succeed and then you're going back, what are they going to look like? And you're putting it in human terms, which I think is so much Different people talk about their brand, but you got to talk about the. You said the word impact. I mean, is that one of the most important things that you look at?
1: Absolutely, and I think that especially coming out of my mouth, I always have to be careful when I say that because most people think, oh, he's talking about you know philanthropic impact and how we're going to make the world a better place and so on in these kind of traditional terms. Uh, I would say yes and no, not totally no, because I think we should be doing that with any business, every business, and I think every business can. Just for the record, <laughs> and now. Um, at the same time, I also recognize that, um, for instance, you know, my, I'm trying to think of brands that I use, but like Patagonia. You know, I, I love Patagonia because I love their brand. Mm-hmm. It has an impact on me emotionally, I mean physically when I'm wearing a jacket um, of theirs. And that brand experience, uh, it impacts my life. I think about them. I talk about them even when I'm not thinking about buying their product or using their product.
0: Uh, I, 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 I want to stay on that. Why does, why does Patagonia have such an impact on you?
1: Perfect. They have a, uh, they have a story. They have a, why a very, very, very clear why. Um, I wish I had it right in front of me, but they're, they are a, uh, they're a mission driven business. They've been true to that mission since day one for a very long time. And constantly I see stuff coming out from them that tells me these people are going deeper every second that they get and not just deeper into my pockets, (laughs) (laughs) but deeper into their why. They're, they're self-discovering all the time as a brand, and they're going into realms that we, we didn't even, we didn't. here's an interesting part. No one of us was pushing them to go to that. They did it on their own accord because it was better for us. That's huge. When you have a brand that goes out like, and does that, you're like, wow, these guys are working for me. I, why would I go anywhere else?
0: You know, I mean, it's so brilliant and it sounds so easy, but I'm, I'm gonna challenge you. What about a financial advisor? or an insurance I have, salesman?
1: I have, I have two as clients. All
0: right. <laughs> yes. Okay. So just, you don't need to go into the, too much of the details, but how do they have a similar impact as Patagonia that people are going around talking about the financial advisor?
1: Well, I have one client in particular, and, and I, you know what? I could say this for both clients, but I'm just going to pick one because it's more obvious. Um, he has a, a, a financial planning company, uh, and it's it's based on the five Fs, family, fitness, faith, Finance, finance, and um, the other, you know, the the five Fs. It's all the. uh, He has a business built on that, and I asked him. You're a financial planner, man. You got four Fs over here hanging out. What 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 are we doing with those? (laughs) Um, And what does that look like? So ultimately, we turned that into him just being a business owner that cared about those things, and really just providing financial planning, to being a business owner that actually provides kind of a a kit, uh, and I, I don't, uh, or a program, I should say, mm-hmm. for addressing the health of what his client's five Fs, family, friends, fitness, faith, and uh, finance. There, I got it. And so with that, he has a very clear why. He's differentiating himself in the financial market in a big way, and he's telling people what he really cares about, and we've created a filtering system for working with the type of clients that he wants to work with. He was working with a particular type of client And wasn't feeling fulfilled there, suffice it to say. He really wanted to work with families that were trying to really bolster the vitality of their family as a whole. And finance, obviously, is a big part of that. And he wanted to be more part of that. So we're doing that. We're making that transition. And now he's put out a different kind of fishing lure that's catching a different kind of fish. And it's the family guys that are really focused on all these elements that he is so, uh, you know, it, he cares so much about instilling in their lives. Yeah,
0: you know, it's amazing. How, how is he using that, as you call, fishing lore? How is he promoting that he's different than all these other financial advisors and he has a real why?
1: Well, we can start with the fact that his financial business is called FI Financial. <laughs> so good start. Uh, it, by the way, his name is Kurt Stowers, and he's excellent if you need a financial planner. <laughs> I might as well just go ahead and plug him at this point. <laughs> uh, uh, but he's he's leading with that. So it's not just this undercurrent thing like I'm the financial planner. I do my business. I do what I got to do to make business. And then by the way, I have this stuff on the side. It's core to who he is. And it's very, very apparent in his new website that hasn't launched yet, uh, but will be out soon. And that that branding that we, or the, the the brand elements, that, which is the messaging, the tone, the personality, the character that we've created out of this brand. And yes, then all of the aesthetics on top of that, all of those things have created a new brand experience that says, look, this isn't just about your finances. It's about your family. It's about your personal health, physically, emotionally, spiritually, and so on. And if you, you don't have to come to me for all that kind of stuff, but know that When I'm helping you with your finances, I have all of those elements of your life in mind, and this is a holistic approach, rather than just dialing in on one thing. Understanding that other areas might be out of balance, and the thing I do over here is going to be affected by that. I I love the fact that he's creating more of a holistic package.
0: It's it's about, and almost you break it down, it's just about caring for people more than just the one thing that you're selling.
1: I would say branding in general has a lot to do with care period. <laughs> like do you care enough? <laughs> like I can tell when a brand does something. You know, if they even a website, you know, and I, and I go to the website and it's like things don't work and there're typos and there's all this other stuff. I'm like, well, I'm not judging them necessarily, but I can see their level of care as to you know what the experience would be. You can tell the same thing when you walk into a restaurant or a dirty bathroom at a restaurant or or whatever or a very clean one or one that has A nice little note on the mirror. There's all these little things I can continue going down that road, but you're starting to already think of experiences that you've had Mm -hmm. as you've walked into places and were wowed at this particular dentist office or chiropractor or restaurant or whatever. And you're like, "Whoa, they really went the extra mile. They didn't have to do that. This wasn't a have to. This was something they did for me. That's more. Those are more real brand elements. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's awesome. It's caring.
0: Sim. So that's actually the fans first way that we have. Caring is the first part. So it's absolutely. The, yeah. yeah. It's the attention to detail. I love that. All right. This we could stand this for six hours, but we'll we'll break it up here. Uh, I, I want to go into the love it or leave it brand edition. So basically, I'm gonna li- list a brand, and you gotta tell me whether you love it or you leave it. Some are kind of dying. <laughs> some are surviving. So, and if you want to elaborate, you can. You don't have to. So I'll go through some easy ones first. Uh, go back dollar shave club
1: love it love i love their advertising
0: <laughs> um uh, what about uh all right let's go i'm gonna go with a different computer dell
1: uh leave it <laughs> why <laughs> you're gonna make me answer uh i oh i don't know i'm a mac guy man it's hard to go back once you've gone to mac <laughs> me
0: too. so sorry right, so why do you love apple
1: or mac because they've been very deliberate about creating a character. It's like, I, I don't, uh, Apple isn't just a, like a, uh, I don't know, just a, this static brand online or at a store or whatever. It's this thing in the air. It's this, it's this kind of persona that I've connected with. And it, it's not everything that I love about Apple, you know, and, and as an activist, I've been hardcore on these guys for years yeah. uh, about their their assembly line, you know, uh, their, uh, uh, assembly lines and all, all the different materials and things that they use all over the world. They need to be accountable for that. But from a, a, a another, you know, in terms of think about it, walk into an Apple store. It's like you just walked into a spaceship. <laughs> yeah. It's like, Oh, here it is. I love that. That's experiential. That's yeah. that, that uh, deliberately experiential. And they've created that to, cre- to evoke certain emotions out of you so that when you walk into that store and you talk to that person, whoever they may be, they, You've already been primed by what those, el- those physical elements of the store has evoked within you. And they know that by the time they walk up, you, you walk up to them, you've got that in their head, in your head that you just walked into NASA. <laughs> and you're about to talk to a specialist about this contraption of yours and so on. And, and it just it changes things. Yeah. I love that. I don't yeah. feel that way when I walk into a Dell store. 100%.
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, NFL.
1: Bad time to ask. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I have nothing against sports. Yeah. I'm all for sports. I've played sports my whole life. Um, I, I, I'm i not for – I believe that the NFL would uh, would benefit largely from allowing uh, their players and things to <laughs> to use their platform to – make a difference. And I think that when they don't that that uh, that's unfortunate because it's an opportunity that we have in business, in the business world to say, look, we care about these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we say, look, business is more important, you know, money, profits is more important, I think, well that's not a brand I want to support. Yep. So I said to say, right. we can leave it at that. we
0: and <laughs> we officially leave it. Uh, Tesla uh,
1: I couldn't love it more. It's everything a brand should be in my opinion. And they're not perfect, I get it. But they, I love that they're pushing the limits. I love that they're changing the way that we believe about energy. And I love that they're doing it in a way that protects the vitality of our humans and our planet. Oh,
0: outstanding. All right. You sound like a diehard Tesla fan. I love that. Uh, and they're killing it. I mean, they're selling thousands and thousands of cars in a way that no other uh, cars are doing. They don't have lots. They're just selling them online. And that's, I mean, that's going to be the ultimate brand experience to sell something like a car without actually going in it.
1: Well, and, and the stories that go behind it, like the fact that, you know, the, I forget what model it was, that was late that was coming off the line because they missed their their go date because they couldn't get the goal wing doors right. And of course, everybody was like, uh, dude, why do you have to have goal wing doors? Just get the thing off the line. And anybody else would have. And he said, nope. We're going to go for excellence and miss the line and come out a couple weeks later and be excellent instead of saying the deadline's more important. I had a old business situation back in the day that was always about deadlines and I was like I finally said man the client does not care if we're 24 hours late on an arbitrary deadline that we all set in the meeting room one day if they get exactly what they want rather than getting not what they want today 24 hours sooner and and I and I I love that when a business owner like Elon Musk says I'm going to go for the wow factor even if it costs me my deadline. Yeah, That's that, beautiful. That is outstanding.
0: All right, last few. Love it or leave it. Netflix.
1: Love it. Changed my life. Lots of documentaries.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. All right. Under Armour.
1: Uh, <laughs> it's not, not really sure. I, I respect their, their brand for the most part. Don't, know, don't have any real experience with them.
0: Okay, final one. Starbucks.
1: Mm, now there's a complicated one. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I love their brand experience that they have very deliberately crafted in the coffee shop experience. Their coffee's crap and there's some other things, but, um, <laughs> but the, but otherwise the, uh, They actually buy pretty good coffee. They just roast the crap. (laughs) Um, But uh, I I come from some Starbucks uh, 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 projects, by the way, with working with their their head guys. So I'm I'm pretty familiar with those guys. But I really – I do use them often as an example because when you walk into their coffee shop – it is an experience. Mm -hmm. You're thinking about creativity and the next business you're gonna create with your friends when you finally sit down and whatever. Like all those kind of things, I love that. I love the coffee shop experience. I've opened and built and designed lots of coffee shops around the world. And I have felt like, that one was the one that we always kind of modeled from that as a starting point and then, and then extrapolated from there. Excellent.
0: That was the most detailed love it or leave it ever. So that is definitely going to win the awards right there, Jared. I appreciate it, man. All right. I want to move. Uh, this is a great segue here. Now that's what I call service. And this is a quote from you. If you want to build a great brand, build it on hopes of creating that experience every time for the customer. We've been talking about experience, experience, experience. Can you tell me about a service experience you've had recently that wowed you?
1: Hmm. Uh, service experience. I am, man, I I don't get out much, man. (laughs) Um, I, uh, service experience. Well, I I use Harry's razors. Uh, if that, I mean, you mentioned dollar shave club, which I also love their stuff. I've been using Harry's for a long time because they have a really cool brand experience. I also have a shaved head with a lot of, uh, shaven real estate. Um, so I I like their experience. They are very attentive. They send kind of what feels like almost personalized emails. Obviously, they're not, and they have a, a lot of attention to the nuances. And I often say branding is about the nuances. When you get those little bitty details right, that's when people start to really notice and start to connect with you on a deeper level.
0: What were the best you know nuances that you love? The best details.
1: Oh, they have these like kind of algorithms or whatever with the – or it's sort of responsive emails or whatever where they're they're catered to my previous feedback and answers from certain questionnaires and things like that. Um, I've had some of that same stuff. I listen, I get the notes from the universe. Uh, it's this – just a motivational thing every morning. And it has like Jared this and Jared that. But I had filled out a questionnaire ages ago and it still comes back to, hey, remember when you wanted – uh, I'm like, whoa. But it's just automated. Wow. And and these guys do a lot of that as well. And I love that. I mean, just going the extra mile to really give a personalized experience in a way that they didn't have to, but they did. And that, that speaks to me and it makes me. Like now I haven't bought another razor from another company in like three or four years. I wouldn't even think about it at this point. There's no reason to. I've got a great relationship with these guys.
0: And it was because they just set up this automation to have attention to detail. It it, sometimes it sounds like so difficult to get everyone to do all these things for your customers, but you can set it up like that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we've got the technology. There's no real excuse now and half of it's free. For that (laughs) matter. No, that's for sure.
0: All right, wanna move on to crazy train. And this, I know, Jared, you've got a crazy story, but what are some things that you've done in business that maybe someone would say,
1: that's a little crazy? Hmm, let's see, in business, well, I mean, I've, I've taken a lot of, I, I like to I like to create live, um, so I'm often creating after having a discussion about it the night before, and then it's live the next day. <laughs> so I've made, a, I've made a lot of moves like that. Uh, i 'm trying to think of anything i 've done that has, has been particular crazy I did a, a lot of uh, we did some you know promotional stunts honestly, most of it has been for my clients okay. uh, more, more than my own businesses uh, and we 've done stuff literally like in the villages in Kenya where we were pr- promoting a certain product and we we had like a guy on a donkey in a parade <laughs> that went down the road uh, selling milk for this milk company that we had uh, actually, sorry, it wasn't donkey, it was a cow, uh, going down the street. And we, we did these big, huge live events and things that I could see a guy in a yellow tux getting interested
0: in. <laughs> <laughs> no, sorry, you can't leave me. You have your your cow is going down a parade and then you these big events. You got to give me a little bit more detail here. This is right up my alley.
1: Well, we had, we had this, I can't remember the name of the town, but it's right outside of Nairobi. And we had a, a new milk company and they were just these local guys that didn't really know much about business. And we took them on sort of uh, half pro bono. And we helped build this new brand experience because we saw it as a way to help build this little town and it did by the way. Uh, but they to, to introduce it. We put these guys their Their colors were, uh, blue, white, and green. Uh, and they had, we sort of, painted a cow <laughs> white and green. It was, it was all organic. Don't worry. Um, I'm an animal activist, <laughs> but, and, and we, and we went down the street with the cow and granted there are cows in the streets normally in this area. So no worries, but we went down the street with these guys and we had all the guys dressed up and we had samples and we had all this stuff. We came into the middle of the, 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 uh, town. It's not a square, it's a circle. And We had a uh, kind of a a performance of uh, a couple of little circus guys and stuff like that, but we got people engaged, got their attention, and then we started to talk to them about the story of these local guys doing the milk. Suffice it to say, two years later, uh, after that, they had won all kinds of awards and things like that, and they're one of the biggest milk brands in Kenya now.
0: Oh, that's awesome. And And it started
1: from this tiny little thing that we did in the little village.
0: (laughs) Well, I think the great message there, I talk about this first, you know, you have to create attention first before you can really tell your story. And if you didn't create the tension to create the platform, no one might have been listening.
1: You don't even get a seat at the table. Yeah. You have to get their attention first. And I have some new ventures coming out that are specifically about how do we get people's attention, capture that and then hold it and then here's the clincher, do something good with it. (laughs) <laughs> Not just get them to buy something new, but to do something good with that time.
0: I, I, I have to, because I'm so fascinated. This. Uh, do you have any practical tips on how someone in business can create attention?
1: Well, it starts with knowing your audience. Okay. Know what gets your audience's attention. Obviously, my you know things that get my audience's attention or your audience's attention may be very, very different. So the first thing is you've got to know their attention. hmm Sorry, what 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 it is that they care about? Know yeah. your audience. What's going to get their attention? What types of things? Actually, I shouldn't say that because that's tactical. What are the emotional? What are the emotions that you want to evoke from them, that are going to possibly lead to interest in your product or service? There, there. It's always people who react emotionally. Mm-hmm. So the first thing is to say, look, what's the emotional dynamic of this product or and or my my audience? And if you look into the emotional side. Then say, okay, what's something tactical that we could do that would evoke that emotion, even if it doesn't really even have anything to do with your product? I mean sometimes – and obviously best case if you can connect it all. But sometimes it doesn't. You just have to get someone's attention like, hey, 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 over here. (laughs) Get their attention and then you can have the conversation with them. But again, their attention is – it comes from what they care about and you have to tap into that.
0: Yeah. It's a tough, it's a tough question to ask because the reality is everyone's different, but I mean, attention wins. And I think it's just, it, you know, we knew, learned it with the Savannah bananas. We had to come out big and be a team named after a fruit to just get people to notice. And I think, you know, that's, that's such, I, I'd be intrigued talking more about that at some point, but
1: what would uh, you say your, your fans care about the most?
0: Well, our, our fans, what we, what we knew that they didn't know was that they want fun. They want the experience. They want the entertainment not just the baseball so when we named the team it couldn't be something like a fierce animal someone that's like everyone else we wanted to be fun and so we could have a senior citizen dance team called the banana nanas and we could have you know our mascot name split and we could be throwing bananas in the crowd and make it all about an experience so they didn't tell us that they thought they wanted baseball but we knew that wasn't the way they wanted to go so we had to create attention the other way
1: exactly i mean that's that's beautiful you did it, <laughs> like, and, and and as part of my attraction to you and your show is that you you took something that said this is very obvious. They want baseball. They want to see somebody win. They want to see somebody knock it out of the park. They want to see all that. But you said sort of. But what they really want is to be entertained. Yep. I mean, this is we're coming from the you know ancient days of gladiators. And, 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 you know, fortunately, it's gotten much more civil now. <laughs> but we're entertained by seeing these guys, you know, go out and guys and gals go play play these sports. And you, then you said, "How can we entertain them?" And I, I love your—I uh, love the fact that you decided with Savannah Bananas as opposed to, you know, the Fierce tigers or something like that, because yeah, it does. It speaks to them, and it says, "Hey, you want entertainment? We'll give you that." I love <laughs> and, that.
0: And, and, and you know, we just did flip the script, which was awesome. You asked the question; we already did. We don't even have to go there. But I, I, I would argue that, <laughs> I, which is great—you just segue perfectly into it. I would argue that everybody, to an extent, wants to be entertained, and I would say every brand, to an extent you know, it's a definition of entertainment, but no one wants to just go through a brand that's normal. They want a different experience and experience is usually involving entertainment.
1: Well, and in your case, and, and you could extrapolate from this, but it's what th- these people want to be entertained. Everybody wants to be entertained. How do people that would pay to go to a baseball game want to be entertained in your case? Mm-hmm. Right. And and how in, you know, it, it could be something different obviously as well, but for, and even for me in looking at my audience, they, people that I'm working with, they want to feel confident about their brand. Yep. If they don't feel confident, so, so a lot of times I'm selling confidence, really. I'm saying, look, I'll help you get on top of this. I'll give you clarity and confidence that you need and so on and so on. It's all these emotions that I'm selling, and by the way, I do that by building your brand, <laughs> but really what I'm selling is confidence and, and, and clarity and and so on.
0: And probably also encouragement.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And, and and when I'm coaching, especially on a month-to-month scenario, I'm there all the time saying, hey, man, remember, this is what we signed up for. This is what we, we dove into together and so on and so on. Uh, and to have that kind of camaraderie also is – Um, Maybe equally as beneficial as the actual formulaic aspects of stuff that I'm throwing out there.
0: Yeah, 100%. Oh, this is outstanding. All right. I want to finish with a few just small things here. Uh, Tool time. I want to know what tool that you use, maybe in your business, uh, that not everyone knows that helps you be
1: successful. Well,. I have a, a couple that are pretty basic. I mean, I I run everything off of Red Booth because I like to have it's just a task management thing. But I like theirs in particular. But I have all my tasks oriented very clearly in front of me, and so on. That's kind of a tactical thing, mm-hmm. honestly. My I don't know the the thing that I you know the the uh, uh, application or whatever that I use the most more than anything else in my business is Evernote. Yep, because I'm the type of person that I I take notes about everything. I wake up in the middle of the night. I take notes. You know, I I, I jump out of a meditation and take a quick note. Like I I have, you know, I don't want to miss these beautiful things that I feel do come flowing through me. And and I've worked very hard to allow, you know, to kind of create a lifestyle that allows these things to flow through me. And I don't want to for me, it's a matter – it's kind of like respecting the the, the creativity of the universe <laughs> that's coming through me. And I'm like, I need to respect that by taking notes and not missing these things and then going back over them and – and incorporating them into what I do, and it keeps driving me towards excellence. So um, I, I, I'm a big note taker, man.
0: Yeah, you know, it's it's really good. one of the former guests, Jamie J. He said, uh, "We Jared always comes up with these Angazian ideas, and it sounds like th- <laughs> those are coming directly from Evernote." <laughs> um, but no, I, I, That's I love my it.
1: treasure chest, man. My Evernote.
0: <laughs> you know me too. I, I think I have. I've only had it for six months. And I have like 1,300 uh, notes, and it's yeah. just constantly coming up with ideas, and yeah, you, you have to write them down some people like they're in bed it's like no if you have an idea that you need to get it down there because you never know how you're going to use it or come back to it so i'm right there with the evernote that is awesome all right jared want to move right to uh favorites what's your favorite part of the morning
1: mm, the part when i walk out to my little office and sit down on my meditation mat and get my mind right before i start my day
0: That's, is that the first thing you do to start the day?
1: Uh, It's sometimes the second after I handle screaming babies. (laughs) But eventually I make it out here.
0: (laughs) All right. Favorite way to unwind at the end of the day?
1: Oh... This is going to sound sort of funny and cliche, but I, I I sit down again at my meditation spot and I listen to like motivational speakers and stuff like that. That's the way that I kind of cool out at the end of the day. My wife, a lot of times, will sit with me. We'll have talks about that kind of stuff. And then we, you know, it, after the kids are down and all that, and that's kind of our quiet space. Sometimes we don't even put anything on. We just have those talks. But that's my favorite part of the day. Oh, outstanding. All
0: right. This is a tough question to ask anybody that's a constant learner. But do you have a favorite book that stands out?
1: Yes. <laughs> um, I uh, yeah, obviously I have many, but the one that I've studied the most probably is the Tao Te Ching, um, written by Lao Tzu some 2000 years ago. And then there's, a, there's an easy translation of that if you're interested. It's Wayne Dyer's Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life, and it's his teachings on the Tao Te Ching. I listened, I listened to his every day, every morning for wow. years, uh, one chapter, and then I'd study the book as well. Oh, brilliant.
0: We'll put that in the show notes. And then you mentioned earlier how you love Netflix because of the documentaries. Is there one or two documentaries that anyone should check out? That's a really great story.
1: Oh, wow. Yes, definitely. Um, I've, okay. I I just saw, um, let's see what, man, I've I've seen a lot of them lately. There is uh, one new one called Sonic Sea. And I love that one. Uh, we just watched it. It was about the uh you know the way that whales communicate and they can communicate like from continent to continent <laughs> it's really, really, really amazing um, and there's uh let's see there's a few other ones. There was one called Insai. it 's like s a e i and that one uh, was about consciousness and about how our minds work obviously I love that one yeah of course <laughs> uh, i'm also a big fan of just for some easy ones cowspiracy and what the health are two documentaries that are on Netflix They kind of blew up the the documentary world of Netflix recently over the last few years and they uh, they they 've changed my eating habits a lot i've been vegetarian since I was fifteen but I went vegan after watching those. suffice wow. to say, <laughs> Interesting. years years ago. But those were some great ones.
0: All right, last favorite. You got a Saturday morning with nothing to do. What do you want to do?
1: Go hike in with my daughter. Awesome. How old is your daughter? That's what I, that's that's what I usually do. <laughs> uh, she's five. Oh wow. Sersha is her name, and she's she's uh, her whole life is about being a good Indian scout. Wow. <laughs> that's that's what she wants.
0: Wow. And she's a tremendous hiker at five years old already.
1: She will literally go out with me for like two and a half, three hours.
0: (laughs) It's unbelievable.
1: Remember, this kid grew up in Africa, so...
0: (laughs) Yeah, okay, that makes sense. Used to it. All right, beautiful. That's it for favorites. We're going to finish here, Jared, with the final four. What is something that you've done differently in your life to stand out?
1: Mm, I have... Well, an easy one, I guess, would be that I'm pretty much covered in tattoos.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's such a unique way to answer that. I've never heard that. You actually went the looks. I like that. All right. Covered in. How many do you have?
1: Uh, Oh, man, I don't know, actually. I think I have 11 or 12, but some of them are large. (laughs) (laughs) One that covers my back, for instance. But yeah. The, the thing is, that I picked out an aesthetic there, but you can imagine the conversations that that brings up. What does this mean? And then I get to have those talks.
0: Hey, I'm a guy in a yellow tuxedo all the time. All the time. I know you what you're go. talking about. <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, what advice would you give to someone to stand out in business or in life?
1: Oh, I would say be clear about your why. And when you figure it out, double down on it and don't let anything stand in your way.
0: Amazing advice. Okay, then what about what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: Mm, can I give you a quote? Of course. <laughs> Maya Angelou. Um, I'll paraphrase a bit, but the, the, you, people will forget the things that you did. They'll forget the things that you said, but they'll always remember the way that you made them feel.
0: Yep, one of my favorite quotes. Brilliant. Oh. And, awesome. And the fa- final, It's guided my life. <laughs> oh, it, it makes so much sense. And the final thing right here. For you, Jared, how do you want to be remembered?
1: As someone that brought light into people's lives and was a unifier and helped people understand our interconnectedness.
0: Brilliant. All right, Jared, you are outstanding today on Business Done Differently. You know, how can people learn more about you? I mean, obviously, you're doing some amazing things with brands. So how can people connect with you?
1: Well, I've got my website, jaredongaza.com, and that's where I do all my coaching and consulting on all the things we just discussed. And then I have my podcast, which is more of a philosophy podcast. I talk about indigenous wisdom and culture and, and how we come back into alignment. That's called Inepi Radio. That's InepiRadio.com. And then I have my latest venture, which is a mastermind group where we talk about all this and taking all your life elements and creating your own brand out of that for your life your relationships and vocation and everything all pulled together in your life brand. And that's called the Life Brand Collective and it's lifebrandcollective.com.
0: Amazing stuff. Jared, thank you so much for being on Business Done Differently.
1: Thank you so much for your great questions, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Outstanding. Today, we learned even more about how to think differently. Sometimes in life, professional is boring and weird wins. So thanks for listening. And remember, the world needs more people being different. So whatever's normal, do the exact opposite. Be different, stand out, have fun, and enjoy the show. Until next time, stop standing still, start standing out.